Jacob and talks about Joseph, and some understand Hebrews chapter 11 to be the what they call hall of faith, and so people are uh, the characters of uh, certain uh, Bible figures are emphasized here uh, because of how they exhibited, how they exercised their faith, and we're going to focus in, zero in on one here as uh, we've been teaching through in our uh, junior age class. Um, we are in uh, Exodus, and we are going through uh, the plagues slowly but surely. Uh, we got to plague number nine, I think it was. Plague number nine is what? Is it number nine, Randall? Is uh, darkness. And God caused darkness upon unbelievers, the unbelievers of Egypt, the Egyptians, uh, for three days, and it was darkness was so thick they could feel it. Um, just interesting wording there, but we're going to focus on the character of Moses uh, as we get down to verse number 24. Let's begin reading here. By faith, Jacob, when he was a dying, blessed both the sons of Joseph and worshiped, leaning upon the top of his staff. By faith, Joseph, when he died, made mention of the departing of the children of Israel and gave commandment concerning his bones. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hid three months of his parents because they saw he was a proper child, and they were not afraid of the king's commandment. By faith, Moses, when he, uh, he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather uh, to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season." esteeming the reproach of Christ, greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he had respect under the recompense of the reward. Now, let me explain that a little bit. Uh, that, that word recompense there, it means to compensate. It means to return of an equivalent uh, value for anything that's given, uh, that's done or suffered. Um, as to recompense a person for services, uh, for fidelity, for sacrifices of time, uh, for loss or damages. So uh, the Bible says here that Moses understood it was of more value to suffer uh, on this earth for the limited amount of time that he was, not to identify with the pleasures that he could have had with Pharaoh. By, by being identified as, as uh, I read that uh, Moses very well could have been like a Pharaoh. He would have been like part side by side, or at least just very underneath uh, Pharaoh, but he chose to identify with the people of God. Um, and so uh, he understood the recompense of uh, identifying with God was far greater and would be rewarded when he got to heaven far more than he could ever be rewarded while he was here on this earth. Verse number 27, by faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. Through faith he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood, lest he that destroyed the firstborn should touch them. By faith they passed through the Red Sea as by dry land, which the Egyptians, as saying to do, were drowned. Let's pray. Father, I want to thank you for your grace, Lord, your goodness once again, Lord. You're an awesome God. In heaven you reign, and uh, on earth as well, Lord, may we acknowledge you and put you first in all of our choices, all of our decisions, may we consider you here on earth as you are in heaven. Uh, may you be the Lord of our hearts. May you reign supremely as we make choices throughout this day, uh, throughout the day tomorrow and in the days ahead. May we consider you, your will, and put you first in all things. 
may in all things you have the, the preeminence. Uh, Lord, we love you. We need you. I pray that you'd speak to our hearts. Make me a spirit-filled preacher. Lord, empty me of sin. Empty me of self. May I be an empty vessel that you can fill with thy Holy Spirit. I pray you do the same for everybody under the preaching of your word and that has their eyeballs uh, focused on your word. Uh, may, we, may there be a, a holy hush as we see the very words of God. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Hebrews 11, as I mentioned, is often referred to as the great hall of faith. And it's in this chapter where there's a great emphasis on faith and uh, where there are several names where we uh, learn of the great men and women that exhibited faith in God in different capacities. And one of those here is we're going to focus on is this man named uh, Moses. And, uh, and so, and how they exercised, how he exercised his faith in God. I want to ask you as we get started uh, this morning, have you exercised your faith lately and honored God with it? Say, yeah, pastor, I'm here. That's, that's a good start being in church. Faith is obedience to do what God wants us to do in spite of, you know, what, what may happen. And uh, I'll say, yes, you're here, and that's a, that's a great start, uh, but it's, it's pretty given. It's pretty common that, you know, you're not going to be persecuted here in Portage, Indiana for showing up to, to worship God as we're supposed to do. But is there anything that you've done lately, recently, that you've stepped out on a limb and, and not known the outcome or the circumstances? They haven't been so predictable lately to where you've really exhibited some faith in God. Have you been saved? That's where it all starts. Have you received Jesus Christ as your personal Savior uh, for the payment of your sins? That's where faith starts. If you've done that, have you been baptized? Have you identified with Jesus Christ in believer's baptism and, and made it public and shown people that you're not afraid to, to identify with Jesus in all that he's done for you? After that, there are many more ways that we uh, need to show God faith. We need to exercise faith in God and in, in, in our lives. The Bible says, without faith, it is impossible to please Him. And so frequently, regularly, I want to examine my life. I want to examine my life of leadership for my boys, my life of uh, leadership with, with my family, my wife. And I want to know, am I enacting? Do my, does my family see that I'm having faith in the God that saved me? We can be, in, in America, we can go through the routine of everyday life. And we're, 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 a, we're a spoiled nation with our finances. We're a spoiled nation with the luxurious goods that we have. And, and uh, there's not much uh, faith oftentimes that needs to be exhibited in our everyday lives of maybe going to our jobs and uh, we can have cushy jobs where we get paid well, we have benefits and all that, um, but are we exhibiting faith? Are we exhibiting faith? When's the last time you shared the gospel with somebody? The Bible says, Hebrews 11, uh, in verse number one, now faith is the substance of things hoped for. So it all starts with hoping for something that Maybe I don't, I don't have it all figured out, but there's a substance behind it. There's something that I'm shooting for in the goal. I may not be sure how it's all going to pan out, but I'm having faith in God that he's going to bring it to pass. 
substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things that are not seen, evidence of things not seen. For by it, the elders obtained a good report. I like listening to older, wiser folks uh, that have been around in, in uh, their Christian walk, that have been saved for a while. They don't even have to be saved for a long time but that have exhibited faith and I can learn from their examples and I can talk to them and see how God has blessed them and come through and, and worked in their hearts and how they exhibited faith and God blessed them as a result of, of their, in their walk with God. Faith is believing God. Faith is refusing to panic. Faith is knowing that all things still work together for good. But exercising faith is a deliberate choice. It doesn't just automatically happen. Amen? Do we understand that? <laughs> I heard about a lady that was in a uh, senior home, and uh, she had great faith. She saw a new man come into the activity center, and she told him, you look just like my third husband. Uh, she said he had, he had uh, wavy brown hair, blue eyes, a strong jaw, and he's very handsome. The older man that just got there said, really? How many husbands have you had? She said, two. And so she had great faith that this was going to be her next husband uh, there. But uh, this morning, we're going to see another man of great faith, another great person of, of faith. And we see that his faith began with parents who trusted God. I want to encourage our parents in here. Hey, don't underestimate your actions and your faith and your example that you can share uh, for your young people about faith. It may, it, may, it may boil down to this. It may boil down to, we had a powwow in the, in the bedroom last night, just gathered all the kids together. Nothing in particular, but um, uh, my prayer partners didn't show up last night here at the church, and so I had a quick time of prayer. And went, there were certain, there were reasons why, but so I don't want. I'm not. They're bad guys, by the way. But uh, so I went home early. I thought, man, this would be a good time to get the family together and pray. And didn't have anything necessarily on my heart other than I wanted to gather and spend time around a God with the with the boys. And I had to prime them to get any prayer requests out of them, but. Uh, eventually we got there and we just had a time of prayer. We took, we ran around the, uh, we were on our bed actually, and we went around there after we sent, put Kyler to bed because uh, he wasn't participating in the powwow very good. But uh, we had a time of prayer and, and uh, I'm saying all this to say don't, don't, don't overestimate or underestimate rather a time of uh, if God has put something on your heart, if God is working on your heart, uh, parents, gather the kids around and explain it to them. Explain, we're going we're gonna to try to have faith in this. I'm going to move forward by faith. I believe the Lord has spoken to my heart from his word and, and maybe give the reference from God's word on how God has spoken to your heart in a certain circumstance. And, and God wants me to do this. I believe that God is leading me in this capacity to do something for him. Maybe teach, maybe uh, to lead somebody to the Lord, maybe give the gospel to a neighbor, maybe invite somebody in particular, maybe witness to a loved one that you know that is not saved and you're burdened for them and, and gather them and get them around. Get them around in that powwow and pray for the lost loved one that, that, that they would get saved. Each night as we pray at the dinner table, it's just routine and, and it's not flippant uh, by any means, but it just, you know, it's just a natural thing. We're praying for Kyler to get saved, praying for our two and a half year old boy to get saved. And, 
God, would you save Kyler? Each one of the boys have prayed for Kyler to get saved. And, and by faith, I'm trusting and hoping and believing uh, that uh, God wants him saved. Yes, I, I absolutely believe that. But someday we're going to rejoice when Kyler gets saved. Let's, let's show our faith to our children, parents in here. Let's, let's exercise our faith in a very real way. I'm not just talking about a body of doctrine as our faith, or I'm of this faith. No, I'm talking about exercising faith, the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. We're talking about proactively choosing to have faith in our God, deliberately choosing. And so... What exactly does it mean to exercise faith? What is involved in choosing to live by faith? This morning, we're going to look at what's involved in this choice to live by faith. Number one, uh, we need to get into it here. Number one, uh, living by faith involves choosing to surrender. Choosing to surrender. Now, that's not a very popular thing. How many, uh, how many, anybody in here ever was like, man, uh, what, you watch a TV show and you're always uh, wanting uh, the, the star or the good guy to surrender. No, nobody naturally wants to surrender. It's a spiritual exercise. It's a spiritual activity. We need to die to self. We need to surrender our rights, our so-called rights to God in surrender in exercising faith first and foremost. Look at verse number 23. Faith involves choosing to surrender. Verse number 23 says this, by faith Moses, when he was born, was hid three months of his parents because they saw that he was a proper child and they were not afraid of the king's commandment. And so they surrendered to God. They surrendered to God's will. Obviously, we know that it's not God's will to give up our children for somebody to kill them, right? And so by faith, they disobeyed uh, the king's law, trusted God. And there's so much into this that I... That I that I, that I hope we can see here. Um, you know, they didn't just do it as a last resort, although it's easy to chalk it up to a last resort decision. I believe by faith, the Bible says, that they trusted God to let that little baby go down the river, trusting that God was going to protect and take care of Moses. Did they know that he was going to get picked up by, by uh, Pharaoh's uh, daughter? I don't think necessarily they knew that. But they knew the outcome. They trusted the outcome to God. They surrendered to God. Living by faith means surrender to God and to his will. Faith surrenders to God. The Egyptian Pharaoh, he had demanded the lives of the sons of the children of Israel. And the parents of Moses made a decision by faith and trusting God not to kill their baby, not to give him over to the authorities that would kill him. And uh, they had faith in God's protection when they released him into the river there. And uh, they trusted God's love. They had confidence that God would take care of him. And they were blessed uh, uh, by God of a child and gave that child back to God in wholehearted surrender to him. You know, we think we have baby dedication uh, periodically, at least once a year, maybe more in here. And, and what that is, that... That is the acknowledgement of realizing that God has given us those children. And we are in turn uh, committing to give them back to the Lord, to raise them in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And I see that's what Moses' uh, uh, parents did. They realized that this is a gift of God. Yes, 
you've given him to us, Lord, but there's this circumstance in life right now, and we're giving him back to you by faith. Now, it may not have been the ideal thing that uh, they, they wanted to do, but it was uh, the option that was before them. The Bible says in Ezekiel, uh, I'm sorry, Exodus 1, 16, this was uh, the command that was to be done during that time. And he said, when ye do the office of a midwife to the Hebrew women and see them upon the stools, if it be a son, then ye shall kill him. But if it be a daughter, then, shall, then she shall live. And so every baby boy that was to be born of the Hebrews at that time was to be killed. What an awful decree. What an awful command. But Moses' parents acted in faith. They defied a specific royal command because they trusted and they had faith and they surrendered to their God. I want to ask you this morning, do you have that type of faith in your God? Do you know that, uh, do you know what you believe and why you believe what you believe? I, mean, I think that's so very important. I, I want to pass on our, my faith. I want to pass on biblical faith to my children. But I don't just want it to be head knowledge. I don't want it to just be book knowledge. I want it to be real living exercise faith. Why do we do what we do? And I believe they knew, uh, they knew whom they believed. And uh, they were persuaded that he was able to keep that which they committed unto him against that day. And uh, I want to encourage you here. There's no such thing as a correspondence course for swimming. If you want to swim, you got to get into the pool. Proactive faith is the same. Proactive faith requires getting wet. It, it, mean, it requires getting in the water, not just standing on the shore there and hoping. It's the old John Wayne thing. Maybe you need to have somebody pick you up and throw you in that water so you can start swimming. My dad did that to me when I was just little, and I hated him afterwards. But I learned to swim. I don't know that I learned to swim that day. I, I think I got rescued. Well, um, I don't think I learned to swim, but I know I got rescued uh, that day, okay? So um, <clears throat> I read a stat that uh, out of uh, four out of every 100 Southern Baptists have never shared their faith in Jesus Christ. Now, we're not Southern Baptists. We'd be considered an independent Baptist church, but, and I think independent Baptists typically have maybe more of a, a soul-winning emphasis maybe than Southern Baptists, but but to all that to say that is that is a that statistic is is mind blowing. If you've been saved, you have escaped the penalties of having to go to hell. The promise of a home in heaven. To live in, eternally in heaven with our God, who daily loads us with benefits after salvation while we're here on this earth. We've, we've got something to share. We've got a very valuable gift to tell people, a very valuable message that we need to share with other people. And, and we try to make tools such as tracks and, and different activities and organizations to activities that we can invite people to to hear the gospel. But a, a gospel tract is an easy way to share the gospel with somebody else. Faith requires surrendering to God. Faith requires surrendering to God in confidence. Now, there's a difference. Now, I don't, I'm, not, I'm not getting on somebody for uh, acting in faith, but having a little fear, okay? I, I, how many of you have acted, done something by faith, 
And there's been maybe apprehension. There's been fear before. Yeah. But as you gotten your feet wet, as you get your uh, tiptoes in there and uh, started to wade in there, what God does is he brings that peace that passes all understanding. He gives you that confidence that you can move on knowing that you're having faith and trust in God and his leading. And that's how that works. You know, oftentimes sharing the gospel with somebody, that's how that works as well. I remember the first time I shared the gospel with somebody, I had been to Bible college. I had been with people who had shared the gospel. We'd followed up people who had visited church and bring, brought them a, a gift basket of bread. And I've been with other people that have given the gospel, but I'd never done it. And I remember going to Bible college. You don't have to go to Bible college to share the gospel, but I got on a bus route and uh, that was where we would go into the community and invite people to church. Usually it was younger, it was kids for a lot of times, and, and we'd bring them to church. We'd, we'd have a program on the bus, bring them to church, to, uh, and obviously have church there. But uh, with, with the goal, of course, we want to share the gospel. We want people to be saved. I remember being and uh, inviting people, going on my route, my area where I would go, and I had never led anybody to the Lord. I wanted so bad to be used of God to share the gospel and somebody to call on the Lord after I shared the gospel. And I remember I was bound and determined I was going to stay out all day as long as it took till I saw somebody get saved. I had prayed, God, would you help me? God, would you see me to, to do this? I believe it would be glorifying to you. I want to be used of you. I want to be that empty vessel that you pour your Holy Spirit into that I can be used in and give out. Well, I prayed, and nobody wanted to go out with me that day, so I was kind of a lone ranger. I visited my regular kids, my regular folks, and uh, there was a new kid in that area, and I found him on the street, and I had invited him, and um, I walked up to the home, and I wanted to get permission from his parents to come ride the bus that day, the next day, and... and um, so I went up there and talked to the man. The man, man was, he was a big black guy. He's intimidating somewhat, you know, first, first impression. Um, but I invited him. He, he was a super nice guy, invited his kid. I said, we're a church bus, and we come, and we'll pick, uh, we pick up uh, kids in this area at this time, and we'd love for your son to come. If, if you'd allow him, I'll take care of him and such and have him back by this time. And he said, yeah, that sounds good. And so he gave permission for us to pick up his son. And, and man, I was excited. We got a new rider for the bus. And then uh, I shook his hand and I left, got down around the block there. And I've told this story before, but Holy Spirit, that still small voice of God said, Sam, you didn't even try to give the gospel to him. And I, that, that, that just kept eating at me, eating at me. Finally, I turned around and I was even more nervous this time, right? Going back up to that door, I knocked on the door and I said, hey, no, I'm, I'm sorry to bother you again here if I'm bothering you. I said, um, we're, I'm excited that your son's going to come to church tomorrow and we'd love to have you come as well. But if you never came to church, do you know for sure that if you died that heaven would be your home? And he said, no, I'm not sure about that. And the man was so kind. Um, I remember I said, well, could I show you from the Bible? And I reached out, had a New Testament there, opened it up, and I had the verses marked. John 3.16 is typically where I would start, or uh, 1 John 5.13, these things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. 
and I shared with him that verse. And the Bible says we can know. And, and I got through the, the plan of salvation, how Jesus died on the cross, how he shed his blood and, and he was buried and he rose from the grave. And he did that all because he loved him. And I said, could I pray with you and, and help you to call on the Lord and ask him to save you? And he said, yes. I remember we bowed our heads. He's probably uh, a little taller than me. But I remember we bowed our heads and we called on the Lord and that big intimidating guy that, uh, that I had a little apprehension about as I first got started. But I know that God has called us to share the gospel with people. He bowed his head and he trusted Jesus as his savior. And all that to say, that faith that was exercised, there wasn't anything special about me except that I obeyed God. I obeyed God and followed him, shared the gospel, and God, God bless. You know, he might not have called on the Lord. He, not everybody that we share the gospel with gets saved, but, but I surrendered in confidence in faith to God. Uh, faith surrenders to God in confidence. Look at verse 23. Moses' parents here, it says, it says, they were not afraid. They weren't afraid. I think I would have been afraid. I don't know what's going to happen to the child, but, but God's word, this is the inspired word of God. It means God breathed, God breathed his word. I believe it's preserved for us today, but nevertheless, it's God's holy word. And God made it, God wanted to be clear to emphasize that they were not afraid. That's significant information there. It just doesn't say they, they let the child go down the river, but it specifically says they were not afraid. And so he wanted us to know that they were not afraid. I, I think about that now. Now, there have been times I've acted in faith and I've still been afraid, but the activation of the faith removes the fear. The activation of the faith slowly eliminates that fear, or slowly dissolves or suppresses that fear there. As you're obedient to God, as we are obedient to God, the fear is overcome by faith, and then the peace that passes understanding, all understanding, by the way, comes along and, and into our hearts and gives us the comfort needed by His Holy Spirit to help us accomplish the task that He's called us to do by faith. Anything we worry about is not of faith. Sometimes my grandma and my mom typically watch and uh, they can be worrisome people. No offense, I, I've been there, I can, I can be that, but you got to deliberately not be worrisome. We're children of God. Holy Spirit of God has taken up residence in our hearts and, and comforts us. And, uh, but anything that we worry about is not of faith. It's not exercising faith. I've said before that uh, worry is the devil's prayer. Worries the devil's prayer. We're, because God doesn't want us thinking about that. God doesn't want us living our lives in fear. God doesn't want us, uh, you know, living paralyzed, pa paralysis by overanalysis. How many have been there? Now you just get thinking about something and thinking about something and thinking about something and thinking, and you're mulling it over and different. I've been there, I've been there a lot, and I, I still find myself getting into that uh over analysis mode sometimes, and but it boils down, you just got to have faith in doing what you know God wants you to do. And that's why getting into his word is so very important. <clears throat> Samuel Bringle 
was a worker with the Salvation Army in Boston many years ago. As he passed by a bar, uh, some men threw a brick at his head and hit him, uh, and Brangle nearly died. As it was, he spent 18 months in recovery, and during that time, he wrote a little book that was entitled, Helps to Holiness. Thousands of copies were published, uh, and after he was able to begin preaching again, people would often thank him for the book that he had written there during that time of, of uh, tribulation that he went through. Uh, he responded by saying this, if there had been no little brick, there had been no little book. His wife saved the brick, and she wrote Genesis 50, verse 20 on it. If you're familiar with that verse, it goes like this. But as for you, ye thought evil against me, but God meant it unto good to bring to pass, as it is this day, to save much people alive. And so uh, sometimes faith, faith uh, requires surrender, and then faith requires involves surrendering and confidence. And number next, uh, faith uh, often involves, oh, let's see here. Look at verse number 24 in our passage, verse number 24. I got ahead of myself a little bit there, but, but I want to ask you, when it comes to surrendering, what is it that you're not fully surrendered to? What is the issue in your life? Maybe you've got uh, you, you, that's going on in your life right now that you need to surrender and give to God and say, God, it's all you, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. I think of Kelly, the Van Vliet's, and her seeming valley that God has got her and the family in right now. A couple weeks back, we had uh, some ladies in our church that just wanted to show love and, and uh, concern, and, and um, it, it made me so proud to uh, be a member of this church and be a part of this church, but um, afterwards, uh, we were able to, was able to raise some funds toward uh, the whole ordeal here and, and get some awareness now and get, get out uh, awareness with our cards and such and let the community know, but Kelly's response uh, through this was this, her response of surrender, I think of. She said, throughout this whole process, I have had two prayers. Number one is this, Lord, show me the purpose for all of this so I can do what you want me to do with it all. She said, I haven't figured that one out yet, but I'm still trying. Number two, she said, Lord, show me your fingerprints so I know your hand is in this. Speaking about the activity there, she said, tonight's event had his fingerprints all over it. This church is really the hands and feet of Jesus. I'm so grateful for each one of you. I have seen God's fingerprints in so many ways over the last few months and has been such a comfort. Exercising our faith involves full surrender to God. Are we praying for healing? Absolutely. Are we praying for elimination? Absolutely. God allows certain things for certain reasons so that we will surrender. I believe in that surrender, by and by it will reveal His perfect will in this situation. We may not understand it, but we want to look for His fingerprints through it all. Faith involves choosing to surrender. Faith involves choosing to suffer. Look at verse 24. By faith, Moses, when he was come to years, he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter 
choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God uh, than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. And we started off, we talked about how Moses could have been uh, in place of a Pharaoh. He could have been at least, at the very uh, least, uh, just below uh, a Pharaoh. But uh, Moses could have enjoyed the position of prince in Pharaoh's family, but he knew it was temporary if he did. There are no pharaohs that were ever immortalized. I don't care what you think as far as the pyramids are go. Well, they're immortalized in the pyramids. No, they're not. They're burning in hell because they didn't believe in the Lord Jehovah. But Moses could have enjoyed the position of prince in Pharaoh's family, but he knew it was a temporary thing. He knew that there was another benefit to being identified as a child of God. I read certain uh, I read that certain inscriptions at the tomb of King Tut imply that Moses could have been considered as a Pharaoh. He could have been somebody in the eyes of the world. King Tut's casket uh, was wrapped in gold three times. Uh, my brother-in-law, Keith, he gave a description of the wealth of, uh, I think it was the, uh, the Pharaohs, wasn't it? Of the, of the wealth of what? Oh, Solomon, yeah. And, uh, but you think about that. You think of all of the pleasures of the world that Moses could have had. And it'd been so easy to say, yeah, I'll hang out with you, Pharaoh. But he followed God. He exercised his faith. He chose surrender to God. And then he chose to suffer, if you will, with the people of God. And that's what the word of God says. Verse number 25, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God. We know God had his hand of protection about him the, uh, through the whole time. And so, um, uh, but there's never an indication in Scripture that Moses desired to go back to Egypt, that Moses desired uh, to identify uh, with the Egyptians, that Moses wanted to ever go back and identify with uh, Pharaoh and uh, the people there. He, he could have been comparable uh, to one of the greatest most prestigious leaders in the world, but he chose to identify with God and his people. He chose to identify with Christ. Verse number 24, he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Again, that's God's word that states that. Romans 1.16 says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth to the Jew first and also to the Greek. His identity required suffering. It says in verse number 25, choosing rather to suffer with the, the affliction of, uh, of people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a, a season. He chose to suffer rather to enjoy the temporary pleasure. I don't know how long the Pharaoh lived at that time there. Um, off the top of my head, I probably could figure out going and study, but uh, actually, it was difficult. I was trying to figure which Pharaoh was there during the time of, uh, of Moses, and, and it's not real clear uh, sometimes exactly the name, and uh, they put Tut around a little bit after Moses, I believe, but every Christian who chooses to walk by faith and to identify with Jesus will suffer some form of persecution. To live for pleasure would have meant a wasted life to Moses. but he endured by focusing on him who is invisible. Faith sees the invisible and believes the impossible. And because of this, Moses endured during a difficult time. 
The Bible says in Philippians 1.29, For unto you it is given in the behalf of Christ, not only to believe on Him, but also to suffer for His sake. You say, I don't like to hear that I'm going to suffer if I follow Jesus, Pastor Sam. I don't either. That's what God's Word says, though. I don't know the different capacity of suffering. And uh, sometimes when I've been going through certain things, I thought, man, this is painful. This is hard for me to get through. And then after, you know, some time has passed, I look back and I think, man, I, was I being such a wimp that I thought that that was a difficult time? God's brought through every circumstance, every, every negative situation that there's ever been. God is faithful to be with us. It brings me to our last point here. <clears throat> he chose to serve. Uh, exercising faith, choosing to exercise and walk by faith, it, uh, it requires choosing to serve. In uh, verse 28, uh, we see the uh, importance of that. Look at verse 28. Wherefore, we receiving a kingdom which cannot be moved, let us have grace whereby we may serve God acceptably, acceptably with reverence and godly fear. As I choose to surrender, as I willingly choose to suffer, there's going to be service that takes place. I'm going to show my response in service. I'm going to exercise in service. As we're obedient to God, it means we're serving. Um, now, I don't know if this is the greatest example, but you've chosen to obey God and go to church. And uh, there are different people that serve in different capacities, uh, but you've chosen to serve by being here today. When we obey God, we, we are willingly choosing to serve Him. <clears throat> it's, oh, anyway, He chose to serve God according to the will of God. God said that a death angel would pass through Egypt and kill the firstborn of the Egyptians, and, but those who were covered by the blood of an innocent lamb were to be saved. Uh, you know, the same application is, is applicable to us today. And there is, a, there is a Passover that takes place, if you will, when you receive Jesus Christ as your Savior. He comes into our hearts, and uh, the doorposts of our hearts are uh, pled with that blood of Christ. They're plastered on, on our hearts there. And so now, uh, I often say, you know, I ask the question, if God was to, if you were to die and stand before God, what would you say if he said, why should I let you into heaven? And people say, uh, the, the primary answer is, well, I'm a good person. I've never done anything wrong. And, and we know that that's not, that's not true. Okay, we're all sinners. We fall short of the glory of God. And uh, God, God says, uh, it, well, if, if, God, if God, if we can get to heaven by anything, anybody or anything else than Jesus Christ, then he didn't have to die on the cross for us. And so the point is this, uh, I'll ask that question and they'll say, maybe they'll say, well, I, I've accepted Jesus as my savior. I'm not, I'm not sure that that's going to happen. When we die, we stand before God and he says, why should I let you into heaven? I don't believe it's going to pan out that way, but I'm not going to have an answer. Save Jesus. I've trusted Christ and God will see that the doorposts of my heart have the blood of Christ on them. And so he'll let me in. When I see the blood, that death angel has passed over me. When you receive the blood, that death angel has passed over you in this uh, day and age uh, today. I remember some time ago when Sammy was four, five years old maybe, uh, maybe younger, but after devotion, got ready to tuck him in. 
after a devotion on this and that uh, last plague there, uh, the death angel was going to come and uh, get passed over if uh, the head of the house didn't put the blood on the doorpost there. It would kill the firstborn. <laughs> Sammy's our firstborn. And um, he said, Dad, did you put blood on our doorpost? And so I had to explain, uh, you know, that was then. And, and uh, I, don't, I don't know if he'd been saved yet or not, but, but there was a good wholesome fear of God in his heart at that time. Uh, I don't think he was just a dummy, but... Um, Exodus 12 explains this here. Exodus 12 and verse number five. I'm just going to read a portion of it. This is what the Egyptians were. This is what the Israelites were, the Hebrews were to do. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male of the first year. You shall take it out from the sheep or from the goats, and you shall keep it up until the 14th day of the same month. The whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it in the evening. Talking about that lamb without blemish, without spot. And they shall take the blood and they'll strike it on the two sides of the doorposts and on the upper part of the doorposts of the houses wherein they shall eat it. They shall eat of the flesh in that night, roast with fire, none leavened bread and with bitter herbs shall they eat it. Eat not it raw gives instruction on how to eat that meat there. But the bottom line was they were to put the the blood on the doorposts of the household. And as a result of uh, God seeing that blood on the doorpost there, his angel of death would pass over them and they could live. But they needed to have applied the blood to their account. Faith, exercising faith involves service. It involves exercising that faith and applying that blood to the doorposts of our hearts. I want you to consider that. Have you applied the blood of Christ, the spotless Lamb of God without blemish? Have you applied His blood to your account? Moses acted in accordance to the Word of God. He willingly sacrificed as a service unto the Lord. And God was showing His power to the Egyptians. He was also showing His plan of salvation to His people. And we sing the song, When I see the blood... I will pass over you. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And, uh, but He freely, by His grace, uh, gave us, gives us redemption that is in Christ Jesus when we willingly receive His Son as our Savior. That act of obedience, it required a choice. Everybody in this world is faced with a choice. When it comes to understanding that Jesus is that spotless lamb, the choice is this. Will you receive him or you will, will you reject him? There's no in-between. There's no, well, I'll get around to it, or there's no, uh, think about it. There, it's either yes, you've received him, or no, you've rejected him. And by the time when our physical bodies die, it's too late if we haven't. Moses followed according to the will of God. He was obedient to put that blood on the posts of the the home there. And um, I'm going to close with this. In Exodus chapter 14, the Bible says this in verse number 26. It says, And the Lord said unto Moses, Stretch out thine hand over the sea, that the waters may come again upon the Egyptians. 
upon their chariots, upon their horsemen. And Moses stretched forth his hand over the sea, and the sea returned to its strength when the morning appeared, and the Egyptians fled against it, and the Lord overthrew the Egyptians in the midst of the sea. And the waters returned and covered the chariots, and the horsemen and all the host of Pharaoh that came into the sea after them, there remained not such much as one of them. And the Lord said unto Moses, Stretch out thine hand over the sea, that the waters may come again upon the Egyptians, upon their chariots, and upon their horsemen. And so God judged the Egyptian army, and killing them all. But God blessed, protected, and provided for the Hebrews, because the blood was applied, and they were obedient, and exercised their faith in their Savior. Moses chose to surrender to God. Moses chose to suffer for God. Moses chose a life of service for God. When we follow the will of God, there's protection. There's that assurance. There's that comfort that only he can give. Moses chose to live by faith. And living this way, it's not a common thing. It's a deliberate choice. He chose to surrender. He chose to suffer. And he chose to serve. I'm closing with this quote. We cannot, Lord, thy purpose see, but all is well that is done by thee. Would you live by faith? Would you choose to live by faith? Let's bow. Father, I'm thankful for your holy word. Thankful for the faith that it can give. Lord, I, I hope that faith has been strengthened here this morning. Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. We've delved into your word. We've seen a few characters of faith. We've seen how they exercised their faith, how they surrendered in faith, how they suffered in faith, and how they chose to serve by faith. As a result, you, you protected, you saved them, you gave them your protection. Not just in salvation, but while they served you, you protected them. I pray that we'd be challenged. I pray that we'd be challenged to live and love and serve you and give you our all. May we wholeheartedly serve you. With heads bowed and eyes closed this morning, now is our time of what we call the invitation. In a moment, we're going to have our pianist play. She'll play a song of invitation, and it's an opportunity for us to respond uh, to the preaching of God's word. Maybe the Lord has spoken to our hearts in a certain capacity, and so we want to give uh, time to, to do that. Maybe there's a decision that you'd like to make for the Lord. Maybe the Lord has prompted your heart that you need to surrender in a certain area of your life. Maybe, there's a, maybe you're suffering in some capacity, and you need to fix your eyes upon Jesus as he helps you through that. Or maybe here this morning and you're not certain that you've been born into God's family. You're not certain that the blood has been applied to your heart, to your account, but you need to get that settled. With heads bowed and eyes closed and nobody looking around, I'd like to ask that question. How many here would say, Pastor Sam, I do know that if I died that heaven would be my home. I have received Jesus as my Savior. His blood has been applied to my account. If you're able to testify to that, would you slip your hand up this morning? His blood has been applied to your account. Would you testify, slip your hand up as a testimony to the Lord? God, I've received your blood to my account. Amen. Many hands were up, but not every hand was up. If you're here this morning, you'd say, Pastor Sam, I'm, 
not certain that the blood has been applied to my account, but I sure would like to know, would you pray for me? Would you pray for me, Pastor Sam? And I'd like to pray for you. I'd like to pray that you'd get that settled, that his blood would be applied to your account. If you'd be bold enough, not ashamed enough to not to where I could pray for you, would you slip your hand up and so that I can pray for you? Is there somebody here? Pastor Sam, would you pray for me that I'd get it settled? Pray for me that the blood would be applied to my account. Let's all stand this morning as we continue and